Yes. All right. So we just finished talking about extolling Hashem who rides on the clouds, rides on the heavens. Yes, it says, uh, it basically says that the heavens are, are as he guides them in their motions as the rider on a horse directs the movements of his steed. Hmm. As far as who rides upon the heavens. So um, does that connect then with Hashem's horse being called the wind and the tempest? Yes. And then, wow. and then the disciples of, of Mashiach say, who is this man that the winds and the, and the seas obey him? Oh, oh, that means the winds and the waves know that Mashiach, you know, is the son of Hashem. Like, well, yeah, because they're like, they're like, oh, well, this is this is the name. This is this is Hashem. <laughs> wow! 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 Okay, man, that's beautiful. It's just kind of like you know, if you think about the parables about the vine dressers, and you know the 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 um, overseer, the master, you know, assigns them to do their work. And he wants to check on them. So he sends in servants and they reject all the servants and even abuse them and mistreat them. And finally, he sends in his son. Mm. And they're like, oh, we're taking the inheritance. We're killing this guy. We're, we're killing this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but when it comes to nature, nature's like, no, we'll listen to the servants because, you know, the children of Israel are going to sing. And so the trees are going to clap their hands. <coughs> With the children of Israel as they sing their Mizmor Shir. And then the wind and the waves are like, oh, it's his son. Nope, not going there. I'm stopping. You know, I'll be at Shalom. You know, it's just like if we could just learn from nature, you know, respect and honor and and praising Hashem, like that would be incredible. Says, and then it also says that the earth quaked. The earth trembled. It says, the earthquake, an allegory for the fear which gripped the world's mightiest nations, Ibn Ezra. Wow. Wow. Yes. Get you some. There was a source that we, we were reading at some point last week in our studies. I can't remember where, but it was talking about how we tremble before Hashem. And this is our back and forth motion that we sway in when we shuckle. Oh, my goodness. Really? Really. Like that, that was amazing because it was talking about the whole candle and the flame and we were yearning for a sham and things like that. But it was like, but this is also a trembling motion. So <laughs> this is our fear isn't and our that, trembling. Isn't that in the Basora reading this week? Like he says, uh, is it Luke, Luke, Luke 12? Where Mashiach, he, and you know, it's funny because I was reading, I was reading the Besorah this week and it was like, he, like I didn't realize he was actually talking about davening, you know? Oh. Yeah, he's, he's saying, uh, you know, when he comes back, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? But he's, the whole context of it is davening. Like he's, he's his, his whole pretext to that is like, when you pray for something, be have chosek, 
you know, have Jose. But and then and then he, and then two examples of uh, of an arrogant prayer and a and a a prayer that is is lowly and humble before Hashem. Wow. And he says, "Which, which, how should you pray? This, this way, and not that way." You know. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, so we got to really ask ourselves, you know, how are we praying? You know, yeah, like that's really important for us to know yeah. that. It's really, really true. Because um, then it says, um, <laughs> speaking of being humble, it says. Sinai, the mountain of God, is a choice mountain. Since God revealed himself there at the giving of the Torah, there are, however, mountains of majestic peaks, peaks which are the choice mountains by virtue of their nat- natural majesty, which surpasses that of Sinai. It says, why do you prance, prance with heady support, superiority, O majestic peaks? God has chosen Mount Zion over you to be his permanent abode on earth, Radak. God's choice of, it says, God's choice of these lowly mountains, Sinai and Zion, for his revelation and permanent presence demonstrates that his nearness is not dependent upon human force or might. So not by strength, not by might. Oh, uh, my goodness. Back to the Haftarah? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> but upon virtue... That is Rabbi Hurst. So too, God has permanently chosen, permanently chosen Israel over the other nations because of her virtue rather than because of her wealth or strength. Man. Okay, so that's the prayers. That's how that's how we need to see ourselves with the different prayers. Yeah, you need to come before uh Lowly before Hashem, and if I can, real quick, I, I have something on that. It actually says something in this. I'm kind of jumping all over the place right now. That's cool. Your character does fly around, so Brukajim. <laughs> so while you're doing that, um, Luke eighteen eight is the will he find faith on the earth. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well, you find faith. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I was just reading that this week, and it was just like, man, he's totally talking about diving. Like, man, you know? Right. And then that's the one where uh, it says two men went to the temple to pray. Right. And the, the whole arrogant prayer of the, of the Pharisee. And it's interesting that they use Pharisee here to try to be uh, a, a possible end of uh, incriminating, saying that, see, look, here's a Pharisee right here being arrogant. But it's important to know that a Pharisee, if they were truly praying like they're like we're supposed like we are supposed to be, if a Pharisee is praying like we're supposed to pray then there would be no arrogance in the prayer because the word prayer itself, tefillah, is all about judgment. And one who would pray arrogantly is not properly judging themselves. 
So we have to make sure we're, we're self-judging when we come before Hashem. And we always say, you know, and, and Rabbi Griffin is so great of an inspiration for bringing this to our shul that we say, what do we know? What do we know? Because really, when you think about anything that we learn, anything that we get to recite, anything that we get to sing, I mean, that's nothing compared to the greatness of Hashem. So how could we come before Hashem in an arrogant manner? Right. Man, I'm steadily trying to find this. What you looking for? I'm looking for a drop that says... That when one brings, when one comes before, here it goes. I found it. Yeah. It says, uh, you who hear prayer to you shall all flesh come. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, come and see how great are the lowliest spirit before the Holy One, blessed be he. For in the time of the temple, if one brought a burnt offering, he would gain the reward for a burnt offering. If one brought a meal offering, he would gain the reward for a meal offering. But if one possessed of a lowly spirit, the Torah considers it as if he had brought all of the sacrifices. As it is written, Tehillim 51.19, the sacrifices of Hashem are a broken spirit. And what is more, his prayers are not despised. As it is written, a heart that is broken and contrite, Hashem shall not despise. Oh, my word. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> that is from a book that, man, I just absolutely love the more. I, honestly, I only read it like one page at a time because there's just so much on one page. But it's, it's truly, truly good. It's the uh, the ways of the Zadikim. Uh, our book? Man. Okay, so... It's so crazy. Like, I've heard that verse so many times, but it says, the sacrifices of Hashem. Literally, like, all of the sacrifices that Hashem has given and, and uh, given us the opportunity to perform. So, like, all of those is the lowly spirit and the broken and contriteness. You know, like, it's just like, wow. That's incredible. That I mean, that... That's like Teshuva in its finest uh, aspect. Well, yeah, because uh, I think it's the Baha Torah that says doing to or making Teshuva is is as if you've completed the whole Torah. If you fulfill oh. all of the Torah, you know. Man. I mean, if you, think, if you think about it, that is the end goal, you know, to return us back to the tree of life, you know. Yes, that's Tehillim 19, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I'm about, to, <laughs> I'm about to fly over there. Because, I mean, that's the whole point of us touching the Torah and, and bringing it back in. Okay, they they do not have this in here. They do not have this in here. Where, where are you at? I'm on 28A. There is a diagram breaking down the Yod and Hay and the Vav and Hay. 
And it's all about Zadaka. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember, I remember this. <laughs> Would you please enlighten the audience on this? Because that, I did not mean to turn to this page, but I think that's, whew. Okay. Okay. So this is the power of Zadaka. <laughs> says, come and see that the ways of people are not like those of God. When a person brings a significant gift for the king, it may be accepted and it may be it may reject it. If it if even if it is accepted, the giver may or may not merit seeing the king. But the Holy One blessed be he is different from a mortal king. A person gives a coin to a pauper and thereby merits beholding the divine presence. Oh, what? See how great is the power of Zadaka. For through Zadaka one beholds the divine presence, as it is written, because of my righteousness, I shall behold your countenance. Why did David specify the mitzvah of Zadaka? To teach you that even the wicked who have no merit, aside from the acts of Zadaka, merit beholding the divine presence, as it is, as it is written, Yeshiyahu 45, Isaiah 40, verse 5, the glory of God will be revealed to all. Now, this says, the act of charity reflects the, the, the letters of the divine name, Yud, Yudke, and Vavke. The Yud represents the coin. The first, Hey, represents the hand of the donor. And the Vav represents the outstretched, the hand outstretched to the pauper. And the second, Hey, represents the hand of the pauper receiving the coin. If, however... The donor does not give the coin until the pauper first extends his hand. The letters Yudke Vavke have been portrayed out of order. Such an act of Zadaka no longer embodies God's name in its proper sequence. So you have to have the money, extend the money, and give the money and receive the money. Not the not the other way around where somebody's asking for money, I, I believe. I don't know. Am I saying this right? Am I interpreting this right? Okay, I'm trying not to. Cr- I'm trying not to cry right now. Like, whoo! Say la, man. Say la. Say la. Because, I mean, this, this coin, this yod, right? Is like, this is beholding Hashem, and you're going to give this to someone who is poor, who is lowly, who is in a place of desperation. And Hashem is like, I'm going to give myself to you before you can stretch your hand out. Because you just said, if the person stretches out their hand first, Hashem's name is is not in its proper order. So we have to go first. We have to act first. Hashem acted first to bring salvation to the world before the world even had an opportunity to stretch out its hand and say, I'm poor, I'm hurt, I'm broken, I'm desperate. I'm in a place that I don't even know if I can ever be free from. Hashem was like, I have already extended my coin to you. I've extended my complete total essence, my presence to you. And it's just... 
Yet, uh, with a strong hand. With you know? a strong hand. You mean Hashem, the right hand of Hashem is exalted. And so it's just like, so to complete Hashem's name, you know, that's what we're really looking at for the sake of the unification of his name. Wow. Okay, so since I was crying, I wasn't paying attention to the time. And we're now at uh, 16. So we'll be back after this. I'm miraculously still here. (laughs) (laughs) I need to install windshield wipers in my face mask because I'm all like, oh, my word. I was not expecting that. Whew. Man. Okay, so we were trying to get to Tehillim 19. But (laughs) for elucidating that so beautifully. And may we all keep Hashem's name in its proper order. Amen. Amen. Okay, so may he return us back to the tree of life. That's right after... Or that's near the part where it says the Torah is perfect, reviving the soul. Okay, here we go. So that's around verse 8. You know, I'm thinking I'm crossing this over with the uh, the eight Chaim. Let me see here. Oh, wow. What you got? I'll just, what, what, what are you looking for? The may he return us to the tree of life. Oh, that's what you're looking for? Yes. Like, I'm going to try not to get like more swerved than when we are already. <laughs> Well, you know, this has been the ultimate swerve session, so let's continue on with the theme. I'm I'm up for it. I agree. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to swerve back, circle round back to uh 68. Okay. Real, real fast while while you're looking for that. And uh I'm going to talk about the do in verse, so Tehillim 68, verse 10, says, you poured generous rain, O God, when your heritage was, heritage was weary, you, secure, you secured it. Says that after every commandment God uttered at Sinai, the souls of the people expired due to the intensity of the revelation. God revived them by bringing down the dew that is set aside for the resurrection of the dead in the future. As our verse states, you poured generous rain when your heritage was weary. It says, when our souls were weary and departed, you resurrected us with generous rain. Shabbat 88b. Mm. And it says, so they go on and elucidate about the divine emanation that happens here says it is initiated in two ways. The first occurs as a response to our, our efforts. Our devotion invokes a revelation of godliness uh, with 
in tangent with our service. The second occurs as an unwarranted gift. A revelation of God is granted to us unsolicited and beyond what our achievements merit. Mm. Rain and dew are metaphors for these two systems of revelation. Since rain is created from bodies of water that evaporate and rise up, then condense and fall as rain. This resembles our efforts of humankind, which rise up toward God and generate a response from him. Dew, however, does not descend from above. It is made up of vapor that condenses and materializes near the earth, just like the manna. Amen. It lacks the ascent and descent dynamic of the rain and is therefore a metaphor for an endowment from God that is bestowed to us regardless of our efforts. Is, and then it also further elucidating that the two dimensions can be found in Torah study as well. The laws and teachings of the revealed Torah, which we can grasp through our efforts, is the reign of Torah. The dew of Torah is the elusive hidden Torah. This study concerns lofty godly concepts that our minds are not equipped to fathom and is therefore bestowed upon us as a gift. Wow. Uh, the dew of the future. This bestowal of the dew of Torah is a gradual process, right? Right. Just like, just like the redemption is a gradual process. Are, really? Are you? Wow. Because the redemption, the redemption concludes with the resurrection. What? Oh my goodness. We'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye because he's going to come on the clouds of glory. The dead will raise first and we'll be caught up with them. Oh my goodness. You, yeah, you totally, you totally just went there. Well, you, yeah, because the dude, this is the dude of the resurrection, by the way. This is what he's saying that that's how he resurrected them. Good night. As the, uh, the dew of Torah is a gradual process, it began at Mount Sinai when the entire Torah was given, including its esoteric component. But unlike the revealed Torah, the hidden Torah was not given in a way that we could full, truly absorb. This will only occur during the future redemption, the time when, when a new Torah will emanate from me, Isaiah 51.4. This is why historically study of the hidden Torah was restricted to an elite few. See Hagiga 2.2. But as we draw nearer to the future redemption, we are encouraged to study the hidden Torah and share it with a wider audience. As a taste of the future, our intellect can already begin to absorb the transcendent concepts of the dew of Torah through our own efforts. Oh, this is why our verse alludes to the dew of Torah with the phrase generous rain to emphasize that ultimately we will be able to absorb the dew of Torah just as we receive its rain. Wow. Wow. Baruch Hashem. Well, um, can you queue up to Helene 11820? 11820. Okay. I need one more verse.
I'm looking at this tree of life here um, from Revelation because really when when we sing (laughs) when we sing the uh, the the Etz Chaim with Mm -hmm. placing the Torah back in the ark during uh, service we're making the full loop literally from the garden where we go to the ark and take the Torah and we bring it forth and we partake of it and then we place it back and so it's like the whole concept of the leaves will heal the nations, you know, and like we used to be nations and now we've been brought in, you know, because mm-hmm. we keep the mitzvot, which keeping the mitzvot as revelation twenty two fourteen says, when you keep the mitzvot, you are given access to the tree of life. And so when we're doing that, that's, we've already returned to the tree of life. So what got us to the tree of life was walking in the mitzvot, which only happened through teshuva. And then it also throws in the fact that one of the congregations, which was at Ephesus, Hashem said that I will give them access to the tree of life if they overcome. And it's like, what what do they need to overcome like what what's the deal with overcoming you know and it's like what what are we going through in our life that keeps us from fulfilling the torah Mm. what keeps us from finishing conversion what keeps us from starting conversion what what keeps us from keeping the shabbat you know which would be the first mitzvah that anyone really truly does that leads them onto this path. You know, what keeps us separated from Mashiach even? You know, and so whatever those things are, those are the things that we're supposed to overcome because when we do that, we partake of the tree of life, which naturally places us in covenant with Hashem because only people who do the mitzvot are the ones who will be allowed into the new Yerushalayim. And and when you when you do it with that the heart of contriteness and the uh, your uh, with a circumcised heart, right? So that was uh, elucidating Revelation two seven, and then uh, Revelation seven fourteen. You know, we're just having a revelation kick. So for all of the listeners. Again, Sar Shalom, Lapid, we do uh, read Revelation. It's not something that we've <laughs> thrown out. So let that notion be dispelled. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so is there anything on Tehillim 118.20? Yes, there is. Okay, what you got? It says, this is the gate of God. The righteous will enter it. In the world to come, they will ask a person... What is your occupation? If he says, I used to feed the hungry, they will tell him, this is the gate of God. He who feeds the hungry, enter it. If he says, I used to provide drink for the thirsty, they will lead him to a different gate and say, this is the gate of God. He who provides drink for the thirsty, enter it. The same with those who clothe the naked, raised orphans, practice charity, or bestowed kindness, says, 
they will be directed to a gate dedicated to their particular brand of humanitarianism. David says of himself, I have done all of them. All the gates shall be open before me. Thus, open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them and praise God. Wow. (laughs) The reason I I asked you to read that, because as I'm doing all these cross-references, it brings up Tehillim 118.20 as a means of washing your garments, as a mean of fulfilling the commandments. So yeah, and there's a, what is it, Micah, that says, uh, "What is it that uh, that your that your God asks of you, but to practice loving kindness and and justice?" That, that's Micah. That's what he would say, and that's what he did say. Man, that's incredible! <laughs> wow. So the gate of righteousness, you know, the Sha'ar, Sha'are Zadikim, you know, like, I mean, that's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I can't help but think about the new Yerushalayim because these are the gates that the righteous literally enter. And then, you know, the, the gates that are on our bodies, you know, like our eyes, our ears. Our ears. Mouth, nose, you know, and all these things we subject ourselves to, you know, we want to really cause our gates to be gates of righteousness. And the only way to really and truly do that is to really feast our eyes up on Mashiach, you know, eat the words of the Torah, which is our prayers. You know, we think that we're breathing out when we're praying, but we're actually eating those words. Oh, my goodness. Because it's what comes out of a man that makes him impure. It's not what goes into him, per se, right? <laughs> so what what are we listening to? You know, are you a person who wants to hear droshes? Are you a person who wants to hear prayer? Are you a person who wants to hear the latest Nagoon and things like that? And so you're just literally like, consuming yourself in the consuming fire of Hashem. And so these are the gates of righteousness. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's actually that's actually what uh, the set up appoint officers and judges, you know, at the at the gates. Shof team. Oh my goodness. That's that that see I knew you could find the shof team and everything. Rigashim or the shelf team of Tehillim, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right. You so, all my gates, you know. Yeah, you know, oh yep, right. Gotta point those officers. All right. Um, so we're gonna get we're gonna be bringing this segment to a close. So I really want to ask you, Ish Pela, is there any points or any any other points that you really want to hit on before we uh conclude our time here uh well i guess the only other point is i mean just to just to add what you were saying about you know what what is it that we're doing what is it that we're that's preventing us from serving hashem uh I mean, ultimately, we we do have to take a step back, so to speak, and 
analyze ourselves and analyze what we're doing and make time for Hashem, you know, like, I mean, yes, we do. It's the, the prayers or whether it's, the, you know, the, uh, a mitzvah you have to perform or, or some, somebody's been on your heart, you, you know, just, you know, we have to, we have to really emanate, emanate, I should say Hashem's ways into our lives. And, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with what what you were saying for sure. I mean, oh, man. We have to be consumed by him. Hashem. I mean, I mean, that's you know, that's what really got me here. I was really praying a lot, you know, as a Christian. Uh, Romans twelve twenty eight and twenty nine that talks about uh, reverence and awe for Hashem and being consumed in His fire, you know. And here we are. Amen. This is what that looks like. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and conclude this segment, and we will return with the conclusion for the Tehillim Parsha for the week. All right. All right. Shalom. Shalom. All right. Shalom. Shalom. Welcome back for the conclusion of Parsha Beha Alotecha, the Tehillim of the week. So, Ishpela, I really appreciate you just taking time to share all the insights and for co-hosting with me. This has been just so mind-blowing. Like, everything that we get to share together is just so heavy, you know? So, Todah Rabbah to you for that. Todah Rabbah for co-hosting with me. I mean, honestly, I, I would actually say a lot. What I know is, is uh, you know, the little that I know, I should say, that is really is, uh, you know, should be accredited to to Rabbi and to yourself and the Talmudim and Zaganim. That's for sure. Something about the uh, fellowship of the body, the believers, the followers yeah. of Mashiach Yeshua. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all keep me in uh, in line. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, and the same for me as well. So, shouts out to our Rebbe. I call him Rabbi Get You Some. But uh, Rabbi Griffin with Sar Shalom. Israel. Yes. The Lapid. Rav Lapid. Rav Lapid. Todah Rabbi. Much love. And to all the Talmudim. Where y'all at? Come on. So um, one last thing that I want to share before we conclude after concluding <laughs> is Tehillim 27, you know. Um, oh, we're going there. Okay. <laughs> you know, 49B. That's where I'm at. That's where I be. 49B. So, you know, we're we're in Parsha when you lift up the light. That's really what Beha Aloteka uh, translates to when you lift up the light and when you ascend you know and it's all about light you know and, and Mashiach says if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me you know and we're we're talking about the Torah we're talking about Mashiach we're talking about the Ruach we're talking about one another you know just as you and I Shlomo have done during this drosh I mean You've elevated me just from the fire that you bring, you know, and so bringing it to verse one in Tehillim 27, it says, God 
is my light. You know, and Hashem has graciously allowed his name to apply to not only himself, but to Yerushalayim, to the Mashiach, and to the Torah. And to Israel. And to Israel. Amen. So when you think about that, the light emanates from all of those places, but it's just one light. It is the light. So I think about that in the foot in the sleek uh, the insight says it is not enough to know what is right. One must also have the strength to do what is right. Hence, God is my light. He enlightens me with the knowledge of what is good and what is not good. And this, you know, we've been talking about returning to the tree of life because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what we chose to partake of that got us into sin in the first place. Oh my goodness. And so when we're thinking about making our own judgments on what's good and what's right and and doing those things. We think that it should be this way. We think that it should be that way. It's like, no, Hashem is your light. Don't eat from that tree again. Just stop it. Here's the help, you know? Right. So. Oh my goodness. And the footnote as if that wasn't enough. Please read the footnote. Will you please read the footnote? Oh my goodness, man. I'm about to lose it. (laughs) It says, in this sense, light can also refer to the light of the Torah. But wait, there's more. Oh my goodness. The words for my light and my salvation. So, Ori the Yeshui equals Ishi. The Ishi. Slika. Toda. Balagaja. 613. All right, I'm just going to grab everything right now and just throw it. You did not just say that. It took everything in me not to throw it. Okay, so my light and my salvation is the 613. Yes. Which insinuates, implies, and infers that if you believe in Mashiach and you keep the Torah... That's what the belief in Hashem. That's emunatka Yeshuat. Yes. That is, Amen. Amen. That is salvation. That is believing in Hashem. That is following the Messiah. It is being Torah observant and believing in Messiah because Ori Veyishi is 613. So it's all together. Yes. All right. It's not, it's not a it's not a uh uh they're not they're not exclusive or not I don't say not exclusive to each other, but they're they're not separate from each other. Cause Hashem is Echad. Amen. Well, what do we know? What do we know? Uh Shlomo, Ishpela, could you please close us in a bracha? Yes. Hashem, I just ask that you enlighten us to enlighten the nations, to enlighten all, everybody. Yes. All the all the sparks that are 
that you have us here to collect, Father, to bring into your kingdom, Father. And you draw those hearts after you. May they seek your, truly seek your face, Father. And may we all truly, truly look at ourselves and make full repentance to you, Father. Return us back to the tree of life. May we see the error of our ways and ask for forgiveness from not only you, Father, but from each other. And may we find mercy in your eyes and may you pour out your Ruach upon Kol Israel, those who are truly yours, Father. You know who, who your followers are. You know who your sheep are, Father. And so we ask of this, Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach, Amen. Amen. Can you hear that tone? Ish Pela, blessings over the rest of your week. Shavua Tov. And may you have a blessed Shabbat. Kam Lecha. And to the listeners, Shavua Tov. And may your Shabbat be blessed. And may you truly be illuminated with the face of the menorah. Amen. This is Shomerman and Ish Pela over and out. Shalom. Shalom.